Father, tonight we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the one who wrote the book. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you can bring revelation into our hearts. I pray tonight for enlightenment in our hearts, our spirits, that we get revelation from heaven into what you designed for us to hear based on your word. <clears throat> we thank you tonight and we honor you for the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's see. It seems like it's a little bit uh, quiet tonight, so I'm going to start off with a really lame joke. Is that okay? Really lame. Actually, I have two or three, maybe. A woman had twins, and she gave them up for adoption. One of them went to a family in Egypt, and they named him Amal. The other went to a family in Spain, they named him Juan. Years later, Juan sent a picture of himself to his birth mother, and upon receiving the picture, the mother tells her husband she wishes she also had a picture of Amal. Her husband replies and says, they're twins. If you've seen Juan, you've seen Amal. <laughs> oh, and I have one that's worse than that. This is even worse than that. Listen to this one. Mahatma Gandhi, as you know, walked barefoot most of the time which produced an impressive set of calluses on his feet, as you might well imagine. He also ate very little, which made him rather frail, and with his odd diet, he suffered from bad breath. That made him, now listen to get this, that made him a super calloused, fragile mystic hexed by halitosis. <laughs> there we go. I mean, those, are, those are, I think, the two worst ones are the ones I had written down there. So there we go. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to hear the rest. Okay. Let me start off tonight by, by just saying something here. You know, we deal with lots of things in life, and we want to be free from things. There, there are things that, that, that hinder us sometimes, and we want to be free from those things. One of the secrets that, that I've learned is a key to freedom from anything is to learn to love something else more. If we have, if we have, something has a hold on us, we've got to find something we love more than that to get free. If we love something else more, that's an answer to freedom. The only way to be free from the world system is to learn to love the kingdom of God more. We have to love something more. The Bible says this in John 3.19, just what Jesus said. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There are those who love the world. Now what is the world? It's not necessarily talking about the planet. It's talking about a system that contradicts the word. And when we love the system that contradicts the word, then that is we accept the condemnation that comes with it. That's what Jesus said. It says, light has come, men love darkness, and in that there is condemnation. There's a judgment that comes with any system, any behavior that disregards the Word of God. Do you realize that? I mean, it's built into it. It's a condemnation that doesn't even come from the Lord. It's just built into it. I mean, it, 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 judgment comes when we violate the Word. Jesus said in John 3, 18, He said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We understand that in Jesus there is no condemnation. 
That's what the Bible says. There is therefore now no condemnation because we have, become, we have been made free from lots of other things because we make a choice to love Jesus more. Amen? I mean, I, I don't have to answer the question about whether I'm going to go out with a date, go on a date with another woman because I love Tammy more. And nothing can replace that in my life. Okay, I'm not bragging about that, but I've had 47 years of experience as of last Sunday. And uh, so I know that. And y'all been married, some of y'all have been married longer than I have. But I love somebody, I love something else more. So there's, that's not a temptation. And so I've been set free from that. All right, so there's a judgment that comes with it. Jesus' purpose for our lives, his purpose is good. He has something good to do with us. I mean, he said in, in, in John 10.10, 10, this is the amplified version, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus didn't come to make our lives worse and make us suffer because we're Christians. He came to give us an abundant full life that we can enjoy. Okay, even when there's persecution, we should be enjoying it. I was impressed by the young man who was at a at some rally not too long ago, I can't remember what he, what state it was in, and he was reading the Bible on a megaphone, megahorn while he was out in in public to this this group of people that were demonstrating and what they, they weren't demonstrating, they were doing a, a, a I think it was a, a drag queen show or something in public. And he's reading the Bible and he got arrested. He was, I think, 17 years old. And he got arrested. And the kid was happy to be arrested. He counted it joy to suffer for the name of Jesus. I mean, it didn't matter. He was doing what he felt like he needed to do. All right. So his life was full and it's overflowing. And he, you know, and he, in fact, while he was there at this deal before he got arrested, when Antifa came to do whatever they were going to do, he tried to talk to those guys about Jesus as well. And so, you know, he was full of Jesus and he just wanted people to know who Jesus was. The Lord wants us to have life. He wants us to enjoy our life. It should be full and overflowing. The problem we have is the devil is a thief. He wants to steal, to kill, to destroy. And how do you think he does that primarily? Here's the answer. By the thoughts you think. He encourages you to believe something different than the Word of God. And he will tell you there is no judgment connected to it. But I'm telling you, if it disagrees with the Word... There is some sort of judgment with it. The answer for all of us is to fall in love with Jesus like never before. Being in love with Him, always being in love with Him. When you know this, much of the church is lukewarm these days. I mean, they're just going through the motions. They're just doing the things. In Revelation, Jesus said, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and either cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, we know this, that Jesus, here's what we always say, well, Jesus wants us hot but not cold, right? He said, I'd rather you be cold or hot but not lukewarm. 
And what he's talking about, and I taught this, I think, one time for several weeks, he's talking about two, the, the, city, the city here uh, that he's talking to, that they had two other cities, that one, one was in the mountains, they could bring fresh cold water, one was in, the, in, in, in a lower place, and they had a spring of hot water, and this city wanted to, wanted to bring that water in, so they made pipes and brought it from miles, the fresh water and the hot water. So they brought their fresh water in, and I mean, they were expecting to get this fresh, cool water from the spring, that, this cool spring, and they took a big drink of it, and it was lukewarm because it traveled miles in the pipe. And so they spit it out. They expected the hot water to make a difference. It was lukewarm. They spit it out. Jesus is saying, that's what, that's what lukewarmness does. It makes me want to spit you out. I want you to make a difference and not be lukewarm. I want your life to make a difference. I want you to produce in your life with what I've given you to produce. Isn't that good? I mean, we're all supposed to be doing something for God. We're not supposed to be lukewarm. Being hot or cold doesn't mean being weird. A lot of times we think, okay, i got to be hot, so i got to be weird. That doesn't mean you got to be weird. It just means you got to be hot and make a difference. doesn't mean you can't wear makeup or whatever weird things that religious people think these days. Doesn't mean that, 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 you, that you have to now stand on the street corner like the boy with the megaphone and yell out to people. You, that doesn't mean you have to do that. And I'm not saying that's weird. And he felt like the Lord called him to do that. But I'm saying it doesn't mean you have to be weird. It doesn't mean you have to be strange. doesn't mean, you know, you can't have electricity in your house. doesn't mean any of that. It means you've got, we are to make a difference with what we do. We've got to be fresh, making a difference. He intends for each of us to be actively involved in enlarging His kingdom in our world wherever we go. Whatever we do, making it. Much of the church is ineffective, unproductive, especially regarding the expansion of the kingdom of God. I know how it is. Churches want to be bigger. And this isn't true of every church and maybe not most churches, but a lot of them just want to be bigger because the bigger the church, the more money you get. The more money you get, the more people you get to speak to. I understand that. But it's not about getting bigger because not everything that's big is healthy. Right? I mean, you know, if your body can only hold so many pounds and you go over that, that's not healthy. And so it's not about getting bigger. It's about expanding the kingdom. The kingdom of God, whatever it is, expanding the kingdom of God. I remember a guy came to my church one time and, and, and he said, he came into me and he was a great young man, a good leader. And he came to me and he said, I feel like the Lord is leading me to another church. Well, first of all, it hurt my feelings because I took it personally. He never knew that. I never told him that, that at all. But I thought, well, what's wrong with our church? I mean... Are we, are we not good enough for you? And I said, okay, what church is it? And he told me what church it was. I, I said, hold, hold on, let me, let me call him. So I called the pastor of the church, and I said to him, I said, Johnny, his name was Johnny, I said, Johnny, whatever his last name was, is here, and he's telling me he feels led to come to your church and work with your youth. And I remember he said, yeah. And I said, and I just want you to know he's done a great job with our youth, He's done, he's, been, he's done everything we've asked him to do, and I want to encourage you to receive him with my blessing when he comes there. And he said, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he was shocked that I called him. And I hung up, and the kid was shocked too. And he looks at me and said, okay, well, well, thank you. And I said, listen, man, 
It's not about me building my kingdom. It's about us building the kingdom of God. And he went to that church and he blossomed. And the kingdom was advanced because he heard God and didn't wait for me to hear God for him. He did the honorable thing by talking to me. But we just took care of it. So we've got, to be more, we've got to be more about the kingdom. And it's not just about me or you. It's all of us together advancing the kingdom. Listen, I may not be able to expand the kingdom in these reaches, but I might have these reaches, the people that I deal with every day, the people I talk to all the time. We need to expand the kingdom in our part of the world and do what, we're, what I'm supposed to do. Right? The church ought to make a difference in the world. Amen? It just ought to make a difference. Too much of the time, the question is, there are two questions. What religion are you? Because what that means to most people is Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, whatever that, what the, that's what it means to most people. And I know most of you are going to say, I'm not any religion. And they, oh, okay. None? I'm a Christian. I'm just a Christian. Okay. What church do you go to? Because what they want to do is pigeonhole you into a certain group of people. Right? Oh, you go to this. Oh, that, okay. I, I, I know who you are. I understand who you are because of that. We need to be in the business of ex, expanding the church, I mean, enlarging the kingdom, so that whenever, whatever church we answer, when we say we're Christians and we're serving Jesus, they're like, oh, oh okay, okay. Because they might be next come into the kingdom of God. It's not about the church I go to. It's about the kingdom and the king that I serve. Right, so the only way we can do, only way we're going to make the kingdom expanded in our lives is to make the word of God the final authority in our lives. It has to be the authority. If we're going to make a difference, we have to have the standard of God's word. And we have to erase from our vocabulary this phrase, I know what the Bible says, but... Because if you know what the Bible says, there is no but. I know what the Bible says, and I don't exactly understand that one. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not valid. It means I just haven't studied enough I don't know yet. So God is always a God of His Word. He will never violate His Word. He will always fulfill His Word when we believe it. I say this all the time. God is only as good as His Word. If His Word is not valid, then He is not God. And I can say that with confidence because I know it's valid. And I know that He is God. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. The Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The Word works when we believe it. It works every single time. Romans 10.8 But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. We've got to get the word into our heart because when it gets into our heart, it will come out of our mouth. It's in our heart and then it gets in our mouth and then, and then we have to maintain this absolute confidence in what it says. That's what faith is, by the way, is ad absolutely confident in something. We have to have the Word to that degree in our lives. We must fall in, in love with Jesus more than anything else and make the Word the priority of our everyday life. 
even the parts we don't like. I mean, there are parts that I don't like. I don't like that part about loving your enemy very much. But we have to make that a part of our lives and believing and standing on it. Okay, we've read this passage the last couple of times we've been together. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, this is Jesus, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, there's the if. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, he said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So we've read about this, and Jesus, Jesus is wanting us to be lovers of him because he wants to manifest himself in our daily lives. He wants to manifest himself in our group life. He wants to manifest himself. If Jesus was in the room, what would he be doing, I wonder? Well, he'd be talking, not me, I can tell you that. But we want him to manifest himself. We want his power. We want, we want, we want his wisdom. We want what he wants to do in the, in, the, in the place. So we want him to manifest himself. Just saying we love Jesus isn't the same thing as actually loving him. We can say it all day long, but if we're not having and keeping his commandments, then we're not obeying what he just said about loving him. You know, it's not enough to have a feeling. We must have, which means to possess, to own His Word. We must keep, we must treasure, value, practice, guard His Word and keep our eyes upon it. That's how we, that's how, that's how we have it and keep it. In other words, if we love Him, we have to change the way we live so that our whole life agrees with what He says. Isn't that good? I could go home, but you've heard me preach all that before. The only way our actions will consistently agree with His Word is to consciously take the time to rearrange our thoughts in agreement with Him. If our thoughts agree with the Word, then we can keep it. Now, this is a challenge to every one of us to learn how to fill our thoughts with the Word of God, especially in the face of circumstances that disagree with the Word of God. The circumstance comes, you know that doesn't agree with the Word. What do you do? You take your stand on the Word. Does that mean it changes that fast? Not necessarily. Sometimes you stand and you stand and you stand. And the Apostle said, after you've done all to stand, stand therefore. And so we stand and we keep claiming and believing what the Word says. All right, when we do what he said, that results in him manifesting himself. And that's what we're after. We want him to manifest himself. Just hearing the word is not the same thing as doing the word. I mean, we, we, we have to set, last time we talked about it, we have to set our minds. In other words, we have to mind the things of the Spirit. Not be carnally minded, but spiritually minded. We talked about death is, is separation from God. If we're carnally minded, we're, that's death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace connected to God. We must, we read last week, let the mind of Jesus be in us. In other words, any thought that is contrary to the word, we must learn to forsake it. Amen. When you stand in front of the mirror and you call yourself stupid, you just contradicted the Word of God. 
If you smash your thumb and call yourself a loser, you just contradicted the Word of God. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? We have to put the Word into us enough that we respond with the Word. We have to put it, and you, how do you do that? You take it and you meditate in it day and night. That means at least twice a day. You meditate it, you mutter it, you utter it, you speak it out loud over and over again. All right, so we must have this mind. Having this mind renewed is the key to finding the perfect will of God. It is, it is the transforming thing that helps us find that will. And the old man, we talked last time, isn't just the unborn again man. It's the born again man who has an unrenewed way of thinking. He is, he's a Christian, but he thinks like the world. We've got to forsake all that. We want him to manifest himself. So let me read to these, these verses of Scripture. This is out of James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. The Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now there's a lot to that passage I just read to you. Then it goes on to say, But be ye doers of the word. That's what we've been talking about. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For any be a, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. I like that. The word is the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. That's a great passage of Scripture. It tells us that we're to lay aside or we're to lay apart some things. Cast it off. That means to cast it off, cast it aside. We're to lay aside old ways of thinking, old habits, sinful things. We're to get rid of them in, out of our lives. It says all filthiness. Filthiness, the word means dirtiness. Some people have dirty thoughts, and I'm not talking about pornograph pornographic thoughts. I'm talking about dirty thoughts filled with garbage about things. Their thoughts are dirty because they're just filled with all kinds of things that don't agree with the Word of God. I hate you. I wish you were dead. Dirty thought. It needs to go away. It needs to be cleansed out of our lives. Superfluity of naughtiness means abundance of badness. And I know in this room we're not bad people. But if you have dirty thoughts, there can be an abundance of badness in your thought process. Because he's talking about acting on the Word here. All right? He says, we must receive with meekness. Receive with meekness. The word receive means take. The word, it doesn't mean sit here and receive it. It means reach out and take it. Receiving the word is an active part of my life. I must choose to take the word. It would be awesome if I could just put the word, my Bible, over my heart and I would just get it. It doesn't happen that way. It would even be easier if I could just sit on it while I'm watching Bonanza and just it would osmose into my heart. It doesn't work that way. So we have to take it. We have to make an active decision to take it. It says with meekness, which means humility. You must take the Word of God with humility. Humility is to agree with God no matter how it looks or how you feel. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because the circumstances will defy the word. 
because the devil has been defying the word for so long and he is really good at it. We, don't, we, we, we take the word. When we renew our minds, it doesn't happen automatically just because we come to this Bible study or because we're an American or especially because we're a Texan. We must take the word on purpose and use it to replace thoughts that don't align with it. We take it ourselves. In order to have it renewed, we must have the word engrafted. That's what it said, that we, have to, that we need to receive, take with humility, the engrafted word. It must be engrafted in us. The word engrafted means implanted. It means inborn. The word must get on the inside of us and come to life in us. And we've got to do it on purpose. That's what we're talking about overwhelming our mind with the Word. I used the example last week, last time, about how can you get a clean cup of water if, it's, if you've got a dirty cup sitting here and you can't pick it up. The only way to do that is you have to keep pouring clean water in it until all the dirt comes out of it. And you, that, that way the Word gets engrafted. It gets implanted. I mean, it's, it's almost like we have to learn how to get into the cocoon of the Word and separate ourselves from everything else and receive the Word only at certain times of our lives. Amen? I mean, when you, especially if you're facing something that's dire, you need to get by yourself, get with the Word of God, and you need to stay with it until you get the release in your spirit. Too many of us try to make rash decisions out of fear and unbelief, we need to get with the Word of God. All right? I love what it says. It says that, that we need to get the engrafted Word, which is able. I love that phrase. Which is able. The word able here comes from the Greek word dunamis. And you know what that word means. That means, that means miracle power. The Word of God contains the miracle power to produce what it says. When you get that in your heart, that makes you think, wow, I've got to get the Word. I've got to get the Word because the miracle is in the Word. Because God and His Word are inseparable. It is, I like this, it is able, it has miracle power to save your soul. The word save here is the Greek word sozo, which means to heal to deliver, to make well, to make whole. Jesus used this word a lot when he would say, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. Saved you and made you well are both the word sozo in the Greek. Your faith has done that. This salvation comes as we believe it. It says it will save your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. The word of God will rescue your mind. It will rescue your emotions. It will rescue all those things about it. Not doing the word you hear, the Bible just said, is self-deception. Deception is believing something that's a lie. No matter how much you believe it, if it's a lie, it's still a lie. We have to do the word or we'll be deceived. No matter how good of notes you may take or no matter how much you may agree with it, if you don't do it, eventually deception will come. A lot of churches have a lot of deception because they have a lot of good sermons and nobody's doing it and they think they're all okay. They're probably going to heaven and that's not, that's not a bad deal. 
but we need, we need to be doing the Word of God. Many times we think because we've heard it and agree with it and made it a part of our theology, we're okay, and that means we're doing it. Just because it's a part of your theology doesn't mean you're doing it. Amen. You ever heard somebody say, Oh, I believe in speaking in tongues. Oh, you do you do that? Oh, no, I don't do it. It's just a part of their theology. They're not offended by it, but they're not doing it. I'm not talking bad about those people right now. Maybe another time. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but it's doing the Word. It's doing it. Just having the theology isn't enough. We must do it. We think sometimes because we know it well enough to argue about it that we're doing it. Winning an ar a theological argument is futile if we're not expanding the kingdom of God. Sometimes we're just making people mad. We've got to understand, we must do the Word. If we're not doing it, it leads to self-deception. The Word, I love what that says, it's like a mirror. In other words, the Word is the standard. It's the way we must align ourselves. To hear the Word and not do the Word We'll forget what it says. It's like looking in the mirror and seeing that you have, I don't have this problem, but seeing you have a rooster tail on the top of your head and walking away and forgetting about it. It's still there even though you can't see it anymore. We need to make sure that when we look at the Word, we, we examine ourselves by what the Word is. If I look at the Word and realize that's, that, that this part, that I need to change this to this, then I need to stay there until I change it and not forget about it. Amen? I mean, I, have you ever read a scripture and you got convicted by it and then it was time to eat breakfast? And you had breakfast and were no longer convicted by it. Why? Because you didn't stay there and consider it and make a change. We must do what the Word says to do. When we fail to do it, we'll forget it. We'll allow, we'll allow the circumstances of the day to dictate to our lives and tell us what to do. The only way we can do the Word is by putting it in us over and over again, allowing our minds to be changed. All right? That's what we have to do. We do that by looking into, I love this, the perfect law of liberty and continuing to do that over and over. I mean, remember Jesus said, he said in, in John 8, he said, then those Jews which believe in him, he said, if, Jesus said if several times, if, you continue in my word. Then are you my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That said, we have to continue in the perfect law of liberty. We continue it. When we continue in the word, staying in the word, staying every day in the word, all the time in the word, in spite of the circumstances, staying in the word, then he said, then we're his disciples indeed. And then we'll know the truth, and the truth will make us free. Not all truth will make you free. Just the truth you know. Because you don't know the truth, you'll believe the lie that everybody else is telling you. You've got to continue the Word till you know the truth. So we stay with it no matter, no matter what and, and all the circumstances. The perfect law of liberty, that phrase literally means the finished and complete rule of freedom. We want to stand in that. Here's how the Message Bible reads that passage I just uh, that we, we, we read a few minutes ago from, uh, from, first, from, from James. It says it this way. So now, 
throw all the spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who or what they are and what, or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it and is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action, that person will find delight and affirmation in the action. We've got to take the word. We've got to stay with the word. Be with the word with all that we have. All right, so then, let me go to this passage of Scripture. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. The Scripture says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ because His, his Son it cleanses us from all sin. Now we're talking about this, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The one another He's talking about is not you and me, it's me and Him. We have fellowship one with another if we walk in the light. Okay, that's how you have fellowship with God if you walk in the light. Then he goes on to say, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I was first saved, that was my favorite verse of Scripture right there because I had to confess them a lot. Nobody's saying amen. I'm the only one. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So if we're going to walk with God... We're going to have to walk in agreement with Him and walk in the light. There's no fellowship with God if we walk in darkness. We have to walk in the light. So what does that mean? Does that mean we get a spotlight and shine it on us as we walk so we'll be in the light? Is that what we're talking about? No, that's not what we're talking about. Here's what we're talking about. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. The entrance of His Word, the word entrance is opening. The opening that we give to His Word, we give light in the opening of our lives as we meditate in His Word. As His Word enters, light comes. And of course, He is light. To walk in the light is to walk in the Word. We found out walking in the Spirit is walking in the Word. We talked about that last time. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1.18, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know. The eyes of your understanding, not the eyes of your head, the eyes of your understanding. The Amplified says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so you can know. To walk in the light is not talking, it's not talking about physical light, it's talking about a light that allows us to know things. It's talking about revelation light. Light that allows us to know. We've got to know things. In other words, walking in the light and walking in the Word is walking in a thought process that agrees with God and His Word. We have to have the light in our thoughts. We have to have the revelation in our thoughts. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
He's saying a blinded person. The devil blinds people's minds. A blinded mind is one that doesn't have the light shining in it. It's dark. We have to have light. The mind that is in darkness has not been illuminated by the Word. Unfortunately, many Christians' minds are not illuminated by the Word. They have a lot of religion. They understand a lot of things when to genuflect and when to do the different things that they do, whether take a cracker and the juice or not. But our minds are blinded when we're not walking in the Word, when they were not illuminated by the Word. It's talking about a way of living and a way of thinking. All right? So having the mind blinded is a matter of choice. You know, you can choose whether your mind is blinded or you're in the light. How do I know? Because Jesus said so. He said in Matthew 13, 15, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should, be, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So that's why we must not be conformed to the world, we must be transformed with this light, and it's a matter of our choice. We choose that. Do you know every day you make a choice, and it's the multiplication of the choices you make every day that produces where you are today, that will produce where you are tomorrow. We have that choice. So in 1 John chapter 1, when it's referring to sin, it's talking about the sin. That sin he's talking about is not walking in the light. That's what he's talking about. That whole passage is about the light. He's talking about not living obedient to what we know. He's talking about doing what the Word says, what we know it says. That's what he's specifically talking about. Now, it can be made toward any type of sin, and I'm happy that it says that, but when he's talking about sin, he's talking about the light. Because Jesus said, and this is the condemnation, that the light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So it's darkness and light. I mean, we can demonstrate our love for Him by having and by keeping the Word. We know this. If we love Him, we will what? Keep His commandments. If we love Him, that's what the true test of our, of our love is our obedience to the Word. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you keep the Word you don't know? Well, you've got a 50-50 chance. I mean... You know, you, you might, you might, but probably not because the flesh will gravitate towards something else. And I'm going to tell you something. As your mind is being renewed, your flesh will resist you. When are you the most sleepy every day? While you're reading the Bible. Right? When, does the, when, when do you think about mowing the yard the most? When you're reading the Bible, it's like, I've got to get the yard mowed today. You get this list of things. Oh, you know what? I, I probably ought to wash the dishes. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, you don't wash the dishes anyway. <laughs> but you, but, but we've we got to understand, the Word has to be the priority in our lives. I mean, I know of a preacher who he would fall asleep every day when he was trying to read the Bible because he decided, the Scripture says, early will I seek thee. And so he got up early, early to, to, to read the Bible. Now, that works for me. I read it early every day. But he, he, thought he, he would sit in the chair and start reading and just he'd fall asleep. So he decided he wasn't going to fall asleep anymore. So he started standing up on the edge of the bathtub and reading the Bible out loud and you know what? He never fell asleep one time while he was doing that. 
So you have to love something more. You have to love the word more. It has to become the priority of all that you do. You know, and people say, yeah, but sometimes I don't get anything out of it. You don't know what you get out of it sometimes. We're talking about a spiritual document that's received in your spirit. Your mind is, sometimes it'll bypass your mind. Oh yeah, when you're reading the book of Leviticus and you're talking about this sacrifice and blood on this ear and all the stuff, it's like, what, 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 why am I reading that? I'm telling you why you're reading it. Because you're renewing your mind, your spirit man is being fed, and you just do what you're supposed to do. And, and, and if you have to stand on the side of the bathtub, that's good. Do it, whatever it takes. But that's what he would do. We need, we need to find what the Bible says and learn to obey what it says. Because if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And that then drives us to find out what did he say? What are his commandments? Because if I know what they are, I can keep them. We're never going to observe the word we don't know. We're never going to observe the word that, that, that we don't get renewed in our minds. The church needs a manifestation of Jesus. I mean, more than anything else, we need that. And to see that, the supernatural power of God in our individual lives, in our corporate life, we're going to have to keep. We're going to become owners of the Word and keepers of it. We've got to take the Word. I mean, it will make us do lots of things that we may not want to do. I mean, getting up early in the morning is not... It's just, I'm going to tell you something, it's not in my nature to do. But I do it every day. Because that's, what, that's the way it works for me. That's the way it works with, with, with God in me. I mean... You know, somebody asked me one time, are you a morning person? No. Are you an evening person? No. I think I'm an afternoon person because that's when it seems like I'm, I'm really with it the most. But you know what? I make myself do things as you do that I don't necessarily want to do, but I do want to do. Because, I, and you know, it's not something that happens immediately. To build a habit... They say it takes 21 days. I personally think it takes longer than 21 days. But if you can do it for 21 days, that'd be great. If you don't already have a habit of the Word. But it needs to be something that you do over and over again. As we renew our minds, we'll naturally begin to think like the Word of God. We'll think that way. People will say things, and you will think, I'm not saying that. I would never say that. Not judging them, because you don't want to judge anybody because you've already done it once before at least. But you don't want to judge them, but you understand I'm not going to get involved in that confession. You know, have you ever been around a bunch of old people that are talking about all their ailments? And it's like, oh, you think, you think your back is bad? Let me tell you about my back. <laughs> Oh, you had gallbladder problem? Let me tell you about my gallbladder surgery. Let me tell you what's happening to me. What, why do we have to one-up one another with our ailments? Why don't we make the confession of faith and believe God and stay with that? Well, does that mean we can't ever talk about our gallbladder surgery? No, I'm not saying that. You may have to say something to someone, but believe me, it's nothing to brag about. We went to a Bible. I had a Bible study one night. And this guy came, had a little medicine jar, 
and it had his kidney stone in it. And he wanted to show it to the church. That's one of the reasons I don't like share time very much sometimes because, because of stuff like that. Why don't we talk? Why don't we give glory to God? And that guy eventually gave glory to God because he was delivered of the thing and all that stuff. But it was like, I'm going to show you how tough I am. I passed this stone. Like, dude, why are we doing that here? So we need to get the word in our, in our heart, in our mouth. We'll begin to think like the word. Jesus said as we, as we think in our heart, we'll speak with our mouth. And we will produce good things or evil things based on what we allow in there. So we have to have our mind renewed. It needs to become our way of thinking because we forsake the old way. So we must allow the word to be engrafted. And that doesn't happen by accident. Doesn't happen by accident. I mean, have you ever listened to preachers who can just, I mean, they can just quote scriptures here and there from all over because they spend so much time in the word. Well, that needs to be our way of thinking. I get it. That's their whole job. They do nothing but that. But we need to have enough time in the Word, meditating in the Word, even in our job, because you get bathroom breaks. Put a scripture where well, you have your phone. You just put, it, put a scripture. Get the scripture in your phone. Meditate the Word. Make it a part of every day, all day, as much as you can. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for the Word of God. I thank you that it can be engrafted into our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that the Word of God will change us, forever change us, into who we're supposed to be, who you've designed us to be. I thank you that your Word says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, and what you've called us to, we still get to do. We give you thanks, we give you honor tonight, in Jesus' name, amen.